Welcome to PreachingChrist.org, the preaching ministry of Father Patrick Malone, Vicar of Holy Cross Anglican Church in Milwaukee. If you have any questions about the Bible or the Christian life, contact us at Patrick at PreachingChrist.org. As I prepared for today, it became very apparent on how blessed we are as believers, as followers of Christ. And as I grappled with the topic, we are in chapter 3, beginning at verse 1, it appeared to me that it's so very difficult for us who have been showered with grace, showered with blessing, the assurance of God's love, hearing all of our lives that God loves us, that he gave his only sin for us, that he wants us to follow him, that he desires us into his presence. It's such second nature to us that we take it for granted. Our epistle lesson and our gospel lesson this morning teaches us something very different. Our Lutheran brothers and sisters, as we sit here in their lovely building, when they look at the scripture, and this is a very good way to look at scripture, when they look at scripture, they see Scripture divided into two sections. That pretty much you can take any portion of Scripture and divide it and place every portion in one box or another. There are commands, or what we could call the law, and there are blessings, or what we could call the gospel. The law and the gospel, or the law and grace. And our epistle lesson read this morning is to teach us that God gave the law in such excruciating detail to teach Israel something very important. And as the rich young ruler came to Jesus, and Jesus asked him, what are the great commandments? The rich young ruler was able to share those commandments. They just rolled off his tongue. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And we hear these commandments every Sunday. And they're so beautiful, rhythmic, poetic. But that's not why we hear them every week. That's not why we hear the collect of purity At the beginning of our service, our liturgy, as we enter into the presence of God, and as we hear these words, Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid, are to teach us that we are entering into the presence of a holy, all-seeing, all-knowing God. And yes, he loves us. And yes, 
as we'll hear in a few short moments, those comfortable words that God forgives us. But he also knows everything that you've done and has seen everything that you've thought. And the law stands there, Paul tells us, as an accuser revealing to us the great separation between God and man. The parable of the Good Samaritan in, is it Luke's Gospel? Yes, is in the context of the rich young ruler coming to say, what do I have to do to inherit the kingdom of God? Now, that's a strange question. What do I have to do to inherit? You inherit something because someone else has chosen to give it to you. Imagine one of your children coming up and saying, what do I have to do to inherit? You would look at them with confusion. What do you mean, what do you have to do? It has nothing to do with you. Inheritance is my decision as the parent. And Jesus responds by saying, what does the law teach you? I'm supposed to love. Then he tells the story of the Good Samaritan, which is to say, how well have you loved? Paul, in Ephesians chapter 3, begins to tell and reveal, pull away the curtain of God's plan to show the great mystery that God has had for mankind before the foundations of the world. Look with me to Ephesians 3. For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ, on behalf of you Gentiles. First of all, the Gentiles had no place in God's kingdom. If you were born a Canaanite, or Italian, or Irish, or Japanese, or Chinese, or an indigenous people in the Americas, or Australia, or New Zealand... You were a Gentile. You were outside of God's plan of redemption. You had no place in the kingdom. Now, Israel had a place in the kingdom because of God's great mercy, not because they were great or because they deserved it, because God is love. And he chose an insignificant people and gave them a promise. He chose a man in his old age and promised him a family without number. He chose a man with an elderly wife beyond childbearing years and said, through you, barren woman, who's never had children, who's in her 80s. Who's in their 80s here? Dick, hold your hand. (laughs) But Dick's not a woman. Imagine you in your 80s, ladies, and being told by God you are going to bear a child. This is why Sarah laughed. Are you ridiculous? Yes, sometimes God is ridiculous to show his great power, love, and mercy. And as a Gentile, as a non-Jew, 
as an uncircumcised, we were outside of that plan. But Jesus came to include us in that plan. Assuming, verse 2, that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. When you heard this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. What is the mystery of Christ? That all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, Jew or Gentile. That Jesus Christ is a propitiation of our sins, but not ours only. I like the addition in our new words of comfort. But not ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it is now revealed by his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and members of the same body, partakers of the promise of Christ in the gospel. God didn't have to save anyone. He didn't have to forgive Adam and Eve in the garden. He didn't have to come and sacrifice a lamb and cover them with the skins of a lamb. He didn't have to protect Cain after he killed his brother. He didn't have to preserve the human race and all of creation through Noah and his sons and daughters-in-law. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to choose Abraham and Sarah to be the mother and father of a new race and nation. He didn't have to bring Israel, out of Egypt, in bondage and in slavery. He didn't have to choose David and make him the king of Israel. He didn't have to send his son, Jesus Christ, incarnate of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He didn't have to send his disciples into the world to teach all that Jesus has commanded. He didn't have to give us Holy Scripture so that we can know the things that God has in mind for us. But because of the great love with which he loves us, he included you and me into his eternal plan of redemption. And he calls us every week to come into his presence and feed on the blessings and benefits of his son, Jesus Christ. Of this gospel, verse 7, I made the minister, I was made a minister according to the gifts of God, which was given to me by the working of his power. That now both Jew and Greek, verse 12, we have bold access to the Father. And we hear this every week. What does the priest say or the deacon say 
uh, when we come and we say the Lord's Prayer. Now as Christ, our Savior, has taught us, we we are bold to pray. Why are we bold? Because the book of Hebrews tells us that we can come with boldness into the throne room of God. All of this, verse 11, is according to his eternal purpose that he realized in Jesus Christ our Lord. It was no accident that the first people to visit Jesus after his incarnation, to visit Mary after she gave birth, to visit Joseph, were not Jews, but three Gentile magi. To make known that the gospel is for you and me also. God is not obligated to save anyone. We are obligated to obey him perfectly throughout our lives. And we find very quickly, after we repent and we ask for forgiveness, how quick it is to fall back into the ditch. But God, who is rich in his mercy, has sent his son Jesus Christ so that we, with boldness and confidence, may come into his eternal presence. Why? Verse 10 is hard for us to wrap our minds around. Americans... Americans have a difficult time with understanding the church. One of the questions that Father Gigi brought up in our Sunday school class was, why should we forgive other people when we're offended? It's so easy to carry a grudge. It's so easy to hold on to that, to nurture it. So just hold that grudge so close. Why should we? Because we are part of a new community of people that God is raising up to be a witness to the world that God can change lives. And so verse 10 tells us, starting at verse 9, And to bring to light to everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden of ages in God who created all things. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Through the church? If you have a a Christian in America, they have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The church is there for my convenience. I don't need the church. It's just me and Jesus. But if you look at Scripture, that construct of me and Jesus and no one else isn't taught in Scripture. You are saved and born again into the church. The church is given responsibility to share the gospel and to disciple its members in the Lord. 
The only reason Americans feel that way, the only reason there are parachurch movements like inner varsity or like the Salvation Army or Campus Crusade for Christ or Samaritan's Purse, you name the parachurch ministry, is because the church has failed. But that doesn't mean we should neglect the bride of Christ. The church is given the responsibility and is the place where Jesus resides. Why do we go to church? To be with Jesus. How do I know where Jesus is? I know Jesus is here right now because we are gathered together in his name. I may feel it or I may not. I may know it or I may not. But he is here presence, present right now, ready to feed us through his word and sacrament. And the church, the glory of the church, a new people residing as a new society of beautiful, loving men and women and children are to witness, to bear witness of the deep mysteries of God. And notice what he says. And he's to do this to reveal these things to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. That's an odd verse. That we're supposed to live as the church is to live so that the rulers in heavenly places may know these things. It reminds me of the verse in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves. The church is not for you. The church is for Jesus and for others. They were serving not themselves but you and the things that you have announced that we have announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things that angels wish they understood. Part of the plan of God is to show off his mystery and miracle to angels, to demons, to Satan. The deep, deep things of God. And as I was studying this, and I'll close with this little, this little quote from the Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe. God has revealed to the church in his holy word things that people have been wondering about for years. And there's a scene in the Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe that I think illustrates this very well. Bear with me as I read from that book. At that moment, they heard from behind them a loud noise, a great crackling, a deafening noise, as if a giant had broken a great plate. The stone tablet was broken into two pieces by a great crack that ran down from end to end. And when they looked, Aslan, the big lion, was not there. Who done this? Answered Susan. What does it mean? Is it more magic? Yes. A great voice from behind their back said, it is more magic. And they looked around, 
And there, shining in the sunrise, larger than they had seen him before, shaking his mane, for it had grown back, stood Aslan himself. O Aslan, cried the children, staring up at him, almost as, as frightened as they were glad. But what does this mean? asked Susan. When she, when there was somewhat, when things were somewhat more calmer, it means, Aslan said, that though the witch knew deep magic, there was a deeper magic still that she did not know. Her knowledge goes back to the dawn of time. But if she could look back a little further into the stillness and darkness before time dawned, she would have read there a different incantation. She would have known that when a willing victim who had committed no treachery was killed in a traitor's place, the table would crack and death itself would start working backwards. It is hard, as I said in the beginning, for us who live drenched in the love and grace of God to understand how radical that love is. It is difficult for us who live as saved children and brothers and sisters of Christ to understand what it means not to have Jesus as our elder brother, not to be children of God. And so we need to learn to live and bask and not take for granted the great gift of God because it is a deep, a deeper, more fantastic mystery than we could ever ask or think. Let us pray.